for this day. We thank you for your love for us. Um, and we thank you for your word. Uh, you got something awesome for us today. You're going to teach us and, 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 and challenge us and, 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 and change our lives for the better, Holy Spirit. So thank you. We have the best teacher, the wonderful uh, counselor, Holy Spirit. We just fully surrender ourselves to you. We, we open up ourselves. We open up our, uh, our, our, our thoughts, our emotions. Every part of us will be open uh, to be receptive to your word and what you have for us, God. We love you. We pray this in the wonderful and glorious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So, guys, today we're going to be we're going to be starting a new series on rest. Rest. God has been uh, speaking to me about resting in Him, uh, and so that's what we're going to be covering over the next few weeks. You guys excited and ready to to go? Yes. That's what I'm talking about. All right, amen. So today's message is titled, The Yoke of Rest. Amen. So if you're taking notes, you can title it, The Yoke of Rest. Uh, let's go to Luke chapter 4, verse 18. All right, Luke chapter 4, verse 18. So I'll read it from verse 16, okay? So it says, So Jesus came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he opened the book, he found the place where it was written. So this he's he's opening and reading from from Isaiah sixty one. Okay, so Jesus reads this. He says, "The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because He has anointed me." And then He says, "To preach the gospel to the poor." So that's the part I want to focus on. He says he says that uh, that the God has anointed him to preach the gospel to the poor. The gospel means good news, right? It's Greek for good news, and it's the, the good news to the poor. So who are the poor? Who are the poor? Um, when, we, uh, when we look at another scripture, Matthew 5, and let's just go there real quick. Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. Matthew 5, 3. This is, this is uh, the, the portion of scripture that's known as the Sermon on the Mount, right? And so Jesus begins to, to teach a multitude that was before him. And he, and he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. For Why? Because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Okay, so uh, what I really want to talk about right now is what it means to be poor in, in, in spirit. So Jesus says that he has been anointed and he, he realized that, he, he, you know, in his, in, while he was growing up, Jesus is cultivating his relationship with God, right? Because we know that he was a man on the earth. He was growing in wisdom. He was he was uh, discovering who he was uh, f by relying on on the word of God. Isn't that isn't that a wonderful thing? That that that's the same boat you are, you and I are in. You are so, you learn about yourself how the word of God, right? David David writes that your word is uh, a lamp, right, onto my feet. And the light onto my path. So, if you want to know about yourself, if you want to uh, know who you are, 
You find that in the Word of God. You find that in the testimony of God. The Word of God is the testimony of God about you. So, And, and Jesus discovered who he was by finding himself in the testimony of God concerning him. Jesus discovered himself in the testimony of God concerning him. He had to look through all those, all those prophecies about him, and he had to perceive them. He had to accept them by faith. That's what he did. And, and, and so I, Jesus discovers, I am called to preach the good news to the poor. And then in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, blessed are the poor for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So what does it mean to be spiritual, spiritually poor? That's what I want to talk about. So being spiritually poor simply means being poor <laughs> uh, in the spirit. That's redundant to definition, but if we went ahead and, 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 and unpack it a little bit, it means having the lack of God in your spirit. When you have the lack of God in your spirit, you are poor in spirit. So being poor in spirit is not a good thing. It doesn't mean to be, it doesn't mean being humble. It doesn't mean, uh, you know, uh, I mean, to know, like what's supposed to wear. It's not, it doesn't mean being uh, um, uh, humble or meek or anything like that. Okay. It, it, poor in spirit is not a good thing. It means that you have the lack of God in your spirit because of sin. So when Jesus comes and and preaches in, in Matthew chapter uh, chapter five and on that sermon on the mount, when he says, "Blessed are the poor in the spirit," he was delivering the good, what's called the good news, to people who've who've had the worst experience of life. Namely, that, that's what the gospel does, right? Like, uh, when you receive the gospel, you are not in a good place. Jesus said it's to, to, to the Pharisees that it is not the healthy who need a doctor. It is who? It is the sick. It is those who are messed up. It is the enemies of God who need salvation, right? So when, when, when Jesus quotes Isaiah 61 and says that, he, uh, that he, God has called him to preach the good news to the poor, he's saying, to those who, who are lost, to those who are like God's enemies, who are my enemies, I have good news to deliver to them. That's just, uh, that blesses me so much, right? Because you're an enemy of God and all of a sudden Jesus says, blessed are the enemies of God <laughs> for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Wow. That's what the gospel is. And he's saying, you're going to get it without laboring. You're going to get it without working for it. You're going to get it for free as a gift, who? The enemies of God. <laughs> the poor in the spirit. So if, if you've had any notion in your life that being poor in the spirit was some, something that has to do with being a believer, today, cancel that. Erase that, okay? Being poor in the spirit, it means you are an enemy of God. You have a lack of God in your heart. You have a lack of God in your spirit. But praise God, because I am born again, and I don't have the lack of God. As a matter of fact, Galatians 4, 6 says that God has given me his spirit. Why? Because I am a son. Let me tell you, the Holy Spirit does not reside in sinners. <laughs> the Holy Spirit does not live in sinners. The Holy Spirit only resides in you if you are perfect. Amen. Why? The Holy Spirit is holy. Amen. Holy. Holiness uh, it means he said, holiness means set apart. Set apart for what? For righteousness, for perfection. So if Holy Spirit means set apart for perfection, spirits, he's going to be set apart from sin and sinners. 
Praise the Lord. So what God first does is he causes us to become new and perfect and holy like him. And now we got what? We get the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. That is good news right there, right? So, and that's what the gospel is. Jesus starts out that his sermon on, on, on that sermon on the mount saying, blessed are those who are poor in the spirit. Blessed are those who have been separated from God. Blessed are those who, who have lost their likeness to God because of sin, for the kingdom of God is about to be theirs. He was prophesying and he was talking about himself, right? So Jesus did two things when he was on the earth. He preached the good news to the poor and then he delivered it. Hallelujah. He preached it. He talked about the coming kingdom of God. And then what? He put his actions. He put his life where his words were, right? Like he, we say, put your um, uh, money where your mouth is. Jesus put his life on what he said. And, and even John 17, he says, I'm going to sanctify myself for their sakes. He was saying, I'm going to renew my thinking, renew my emotions for their sakes, because I don't feel like going to the cross. It's a hard calling to live out what, what I'm supposed to be, but I'm going to do it for what? Their sakes. And he does it and he saves us. Amen. So that the poor in the spirit no longer have to be poor in the spirit. Hallelujah. So I'm not poor in the spirit. Neither are you. If you're in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. And the culprit for being poor in the spirit is sin. You know that. You have a lack of God. God left. God said, man, you, you got, you're not like me anymore, so I'm out. And you have a lack of God in your, in your spirit. And, and so there's a bunch of stuff that comes with sin. It's called the weight of sin. The weight of sin. just get it hot water. Steve, can you mute yourself? And 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 get me a grande latte as well on your on your way out. Uh, can you mute yourself? If you can. Oh, I'm about to mute. All right, he's muted. All right, Steve, we love you, bro. Um, so yeah, the weight of sin. The weight of sin doesn't just come by itself. When sin comes, it comes with a whole lot of mess. Right. The moment Adam and Eve sinned, they were cursed. The earth in which they ruled, because the earth was a pla it was it was their domain. God told them, "Dominate the earth, right? Have dominion over the earth. Have dominion over the the, the the animals, over everything. They and everything that was theirs was cursed, and it fell under the power of sin. So sin doesn't come by itself. Itself, it comes with consequences." It comes with 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 fear. It comes with uh, what we know as curse. This, if you ever wonder what's wrong with this world that I live in, it's 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 under the weight of sin, right? Guilt, shame, poverty, death, being poor in the spirit—all what results of sin. But Jesus comes and he he tells a different story. He says, "Man, yours is." the kingdom of heaven. You, this is going to be the kingdom of heaven. Um, and here's what I love about that part. In that prophecy, Isaiah 61, which is what Jesus quotes in Luke, in Luke chapter four. I'm sorry, not that one. In Matthew five, Jesus doesn't say that uh, th that that they're about to be that they're they're about to become part of the kingdom. That's not what he says. Although when you get saved, you become part of the kingdom. But what Jesus says is the kingdom 
is about to become theirs. Right? He says, blessed are the poor in the spirit for what? For theirs is the kingdom of, of, of heaven. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Why? This, this actually is, is, it talks about ownership. Hallelujah. See, when you get saved and you get born again, you don't, you, you don't get to just enter the kingdom. The kingdom becomes yours. Amen. <laughs> Blessed are the enemies of God for what? Why? For they're about to inherit the kingdom. See, the kingdom is your inheritance. It's not merely the place where you get to go. You're, you know, it's like, you, you know, you know, heaven and the kingdom of God is not merely God's house. It's your house too. Why? Because he gives it to you as your inheritance. And, and some of you guys have talked, heard me talk about this before. Inheritance on the earth, as we know it, works how? Well, your parents die first. That's the prereq. When they die, you get the inheritance. God says the kingdom is my inheritance. Since God is never going to die... The original definition of inheritance means that it's mine now while he's living. Come on, come on, come on. Are you with me? So we don't get the kingdom when we get to heaven. The kingdom is mine now. I'm with him. Amen. So this is the good news that, 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 that Jesus is, is preaching. Just in, those, in that sentence, blessed are the, those who are poor in the spirit right now. For what? God is giving them the kingdom. Praise the Lord. So when he says that, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, that's actually a promise of sonship because the kingdom can only be given as inheritance to sons and daughters. So that's the big thing. It's the biggest thing that we could ever receive. You know, my dad once said to me, you can't be any more blessed than sitting at the right hand of God. Amen. Hallelujah. You can't. And why are you seated there? Because you're a son, daughter of God. You can't be any more blessed than being God's son, God's daughter. So, so, so that's, that's the highest blessing. So I can ask God, God, Lord, would you bless me? And he's going to say to me, I've already blessed you to the, to the max. The highest I could ever bless you is I made you my son, my daughter. So this is the, the gospel. This is the good news that we always talk about. And Jesus is saying it's it's blessed our sinners <laughs> for they're about to be changed. Praise God. And so now when you think about the poor, so let's talk about being poor in the spirit. Uh, when you think about people who are poor, just generally right now, like in the physical, they, they have no rest. That's the thing about being poor. If you're poor, you're not going to take a vacation. You're never going to be on vacation, right? Are you? Like what comes with poverty is is the fact that you are you have to struggle just to get by. You're going to be struggling just to survive. It's like that's how it works. There's no rest, and that's what sin did to humanity. The moment sin entered into people, because they committed sin and they they allowed it in, what happens? You lose God. You become poor in spirit, and all your life, you're what? Toiling. You're not in a state of rest. You, you are, you are, you are living in fear. You're alone. You're, you, you, you are subject to uh, the demonic <laughs> realm, right? Demons can come, torment you, everything. There's no rest. 
And even in the old covenant, even all, you know, all those people who walked with God, they had a different uh, arrangement with God, right? They had to work. It was by works. Everything was by works. And because of that, there was no rest. Everything is by work. What, you, there's no rest. So today we're talking about the yoke of rest. We'll get to that. Uh, but what I, what I find uh, so amazing is that we've already been given the reason to, to, to have rest. So I, I, wanna, I really want to just talk to you about the basis for why we can rest in God. See, resting in God is not just saying, God, I just you know, rest in you. It's not just saying it, right? It has to come with the actual action of resting in him, right? And the only thing that's going to cause you to rest, the very foundation of that rest is what Jesus says here. Blessed are the poor in the spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Understanding that you are a son, that you're a daughter of God, is the very foundation for why you'll have rest in your life. So if at any moment that your understanding of that becomes compromised, we can just kiss rest bye-bye. They're going to be tossed here and there by whatever storm uh, comes at us in life. So God wants us to be grounded in what it means to, for us to be saved, right? So Jesus promises the kingdom to sinners and and I, what I love is that it becomes, the kingdom becomes ours, and we know that it's become ours without any labor, right? Without any labor, without us having to do anything for it. You know, let's go to Isaiah chapter 55, verse 1. It says, come everyone who thirsts. Come to the water. So, Everyone who thirsts is every, everyone who is not yet saved. This, this, this is this uh, 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 prophecies about salvation. When you look at Isaiah fifty-five, strategically placed after Isaiah fifty-three, which is talks about the, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Isaiah fifty-four, God talks about His promises to us as a result, and this is a this is a continuation of that uh, that that that, that uh, uh, pro timeline of like prophecy. Right? So it says, come everyone who thirsts, everyone come come to the waters. What did Jesus say to that woman at the Samaritan well? At the well, the Samaritan woman. He tells her what? Whoever drinks of the water that I give him will what? Never thirst. You can't ever become thirsty after being born again. You can't... Uh, you don't need to get refilled because you, you ran dry. You can't ever run dry when you're born again. Hallelujah. Amen. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I, I'm poured out fully. Now I got to be filled up again. I hope that, you know, when people say that, they're not referring to actually, you know, losing something in this spiritually. You don't lose anything. You can be filled up in knowledge. You can be filled up in understanding of who God is. Don't forget that, right? Our calling is to, to live in a place of fullness and to walk from fullness. So when, this, when Isaiah writes here, prophesies here, everyone who thirsts, he's talking to not believers, not Christians. He's talking to 
those who are not born again. So he says, come everyone who thirsts, come to the waters and you who have no money, right? He's, he's saying, you are poor. You have nothing to offer God. You're spiritually poor. Because your, thir your thirst is for God. Your thirst is for the likeness of God and everything that comes with being a son, a daughter of God, right? David says in Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul. All that is with me, bless the Lord, forget not his benefits. So when, when you are right with God, there are benefits that come along with that, right? Just as sin comes with its weight, righteousness and being God's child comes with its own weight. It comes with its, with its own set of, uh, uh, of, of heaviness. But it's a good one. Amen. It's the, it's the yoke of rest as we, as we talk about. So he says, come, you who have no money, you have nothing to offer God. But it says, come buy and eat. Hallelujah. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. So that's it. This is, this is what Jesus is talking about. He says, blessed are the poor. They ain't got no money. <laughs> but they can come and partake of the kingdom without price hallelujah because he is the price right so this is what he's promising and 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 like i said not only do do we get to be in the kingdom but we get to what inherit the kingdom which means we're sons which means we rule in it come on hallelujah which means that we we, we are in a different place of hierarchy than what we might have imagined hallelujah right god god it, got, it gives you ownership of this kingdom what good news. Praise God. Right? So without any labor, without any striving, because Jesus is the sacrifice, because Jesus is the one who's, who, who will pay the price. God pays the price for all that, for us to come and free and, and, and be sons again. So that's good news, isn't it? Praise the Lord. Let's go to Matthew. Now let's go to Matthew chapter um, 11. Matthew 11. Verses 28 and 29. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. Who labors and is heavy laden? The poor, right? Just as the physical... You are going to be heavy laden. You can't rest. Sinners are in a constant state of laboring. There's never rest. There's never peace. You can, you can fake it. And even all of the people in the, in the Old Testament who desire, desire to be right with God and, and were working hard at it were failing all the time. In Romans chapter 8, Verse 2, it says that the, that the law was made weak. Not because the law was weak in and of itself. Hallelujah. The law is perfect. God's requirements are perfect. It wasn't too weak to save in and of itself. Are you with me? But it says it was made weak by what? By, by, uh, by people. By, by the flesh. It was made weak. Because we had to empower the law to make it work for us. 
That's what it was. And so all the people under, uh, under the old covenant who were working hard to be right with God, to be accepted with God, kept failing. And they had no rest. It was a constant state of work, hoping to be right with God. Nobody wanted to see God in the Old Testament. Have you ever seen any place in the scriptures where they saw God and they were pleased? <laughs> when they, when they, whenever you see God, you offer a sacrifice. Or, or you know, whenever you, God speaks to your sense an angel, they're like, oh, we're going to die. Is what anybody's thinking. Right? That's what sin does. They're poor in the spirit. You, got, you have no money. You, you, you want to touch God? Anyone who, who, who would dare walk into the Holy of Holies would just drop dead right there. There was a man who, uh, when while they were moving the, the Ark of the Covenant, there, there was, uh, you know, it almost fell. And one man tried to go grab it, trying to help. And he died. Right? You don't, you don't, you don't, listen, God is holy. Sin and God do not mix. Imperfection and God do not mix. I will preach the message of grace till I die. But anyone who thinks I'm promoting sin is so wrong. I, in fact, in fact, it teaches us that we best be perfect. That's what grace teaches us. Hallelujah. All the wrath of God is poured out on Jesus. But we are perfect because Jesus has, has made it possible for us to be perfect. And so even if you, if you sin, if you struggle with sin right now, God is not going to walk out of your life. As a matter of fact, unless you're living perfectly, God should walk out of your life. Unless you don't sin at all, you got no right to be in God's presence if it wasn't for the grace of God. We're the ones who classify sin and, uh, you know, we see it with, a, with, with, with the lens of relativity. We say, oh, I'm better than this person. Oh, so-and-so is holier than me. God says, y'all all are in the same boat. <laughs> but if you're if God accepts you it's because of the grace of God, are you with me? So if you're going to embrace grace, you better embrace it all the way. There's no half half. Amen. Okay. So, uh, so let's let's read this first. I'm I'm, I'm going out of. Uh, I don't want to leave the point. So he says, "Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. You're laboring for God. You're laboring for the presence of God. You you but you got nothing to to show for it." <laughs> He says, come and I will what? Give you rest. Praise God. I will give you rest. That thing you want with God, I'll give it to you. So he's saying, I'll give you the kingdom, all those things that come with it. But what does what comes with that? Rest. Praise God. And then he says in verse 29, he explains it further. And he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Take my yoke upon you. When has a yoke been a good thing? We don't really know. Yoke is not a good thing. It's heaviness. It's weighty. Nobody wants a yoke. Nobody wants a burden, right? But Jesus says, not only will I give you rest, I will give you the yoke of rest. Hallelujah. God doesn't just want to give you rest. He wants to make rest your new burden. <laughs> burden with rest. 
Not just he doesn't just want us to. What that means to me is that God is not. Uh, call, he hasn't called me to experience rest periodically or most of the time. He he he's making he's he's made rest my nature. Like I can't run away from rest. Come on, okay. Can you run away from your identity? Can you change? You can try. You can try to change your name that your parents gave you. You can do all sorts of stuff, or, you know, to change you. But you can't change you. You know, you are you. That's it. So, in a sense, you are you are enslaved to who? to you. <laughs> and in the same way, God, Hallelujah, when He saved us. The, the kind of rest that Jesus talks about is, is a slavery to rest. It becomes uh, interwined with your identity so much that you can't run away from it. Hallelujah. It's a constant state. And, you know, Romans chapter 6 talks about this, right? God, verse 18 and verse 22. Having been made free from sin, we are now what? Righteous? No, we're slaves of righteousness. It's more than that. It's more than just being righteous. It's about being enslaved to righteousness. Are you with me? It's about being enslaved to righteousness and everything that comes with being righteous. See, when sin came, sin just didn't come with uh, by itself. It came with its weight. It came with its curse. It came with all of its baggage. Righteousness also comes with a bunch of weight of its own. And that one of that way, the, the, the weights of righteousness is rest. Hallelujah. So if we're talking, we're going to be talking about how to rest in God, how to learn to rest in God, especially at a time like this, where, where we were bombarded with so much fear, with, with so much anxiety, so much um, uncertainty. We're trying to rest in God, but you got to know where your rest comes from. It starts here. You once had no rest. You didn't have God. I didn't know God. Jesus said, come to me, all you who labor. Come to me who you're spiritually poor. Come to me you have no, who you have uh, no money to offer. Nothing to offer for God. I will give it to you. I'll give you rest. And, this, and that rest is embedded in your sonship to God. And your eternal life. That's where that rest is. Amen? So, Jesus not only caused us to be forgiven of our sins, but he also caused us to be set free from sin itself. See, you can think you're just forgiven for sin. That's one thing, but to be set free from sin, that's another. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Many Christians treat, treat themselves as if they've been forgiven for sin. God has forgiven me for sin. But they still see themselves as sinners. Right? We're all sinners. No, I'm not a sinner. I left that boat a long time ago. Amen. I'm not a sinner and will never be a sinner. Praise God. Because God doesn't have sinners as his children. <laughs> I am the righteousness of God. If God says, I am his righteousness, the very definition of his righteousness, where in that am I a sinner? He's changed me. He's changed you. And, and, and whatever came with sin no longer applies to me. What comes with righteousness is what applies to me. I got to know that and believe that and walk according to that reality and that truth. Amen? Amen. I got to know that. So let's go to uh, uh, Romans chapter 6 and read from verses 18 to 22, okay? 
Okay, sir. Yeah. Cool. Having Romans six eighteen. And eighteen, yeah. Having been set free from sin, you became what? Slaves of righteousness. See, when you become a slave of righteousness, you receive the yoke of rest. Come on. The, 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 when Jesus take my yoke upon you, that yoke, that burden is a good burden. And it only comes from being enslaved to righteousness. And you became enslaved to righteousness, essentially mean, it, it means a lot of deep things. But essentially, to start with, it means this thing. It means that righteousness has now been embedded into your identity. You with me? It's embedded in your identity. And what's your identity? It's your spirit identity. That's who you are. I'm not, I'm not what you see as, as good as I look with all the cool hair and everything that I got going on. Hallelujah. See, you got guys, come on. You got you to believe in yourself. You got to turn your cameras on and say, I'm good looking. But this is not me. Even my emotions are not me. I am a spirit being just like God is a spirit being. And I am as supernatural as God is. That's why one day when I die, I, that whatever people will look at, it will not be me. I am gone. I am a spiritual man. Born of God. Amen. And that's who you are too. And so whenever I say I, I need to look at what God sees about me. Whenever you, you say I, who are you referring to? Talking to your flesh, your emotions. Talking about what? You got to be talking about what God sees. And when, this, when, when Paul writes here, having been, set, been uh, freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. He's talking about the real you. Amen? Obviously, you're going to see yourself struggling with, with sin on this earth. And that's really because your mind hasn't been renewed in light of who you really are. And you're having an identity crisis and you're acting like the sinner you're not. Okay? But God says, you are perfect. What's wrong with you? Why do you keep doing those things? I set you free. And then if you fear all of a sudden that God may leave you, he'll also say, what's wrong with you? You're my righteousness. Praise God. Okay. So rest begins when you realize how accepted you are by God. You will never, see, in, in, in times, tough times like this, if we try to muster up rest in God, when we don't even rest in him regarding our salvation, it's not going to come. If you're not if you're not confident in the fact that you're saved, no matter what struggles you got going on in your life, you're never going to rest in God. First place where we rest in God is is in regards to our identity and the fact that we've been perfected forever. That's the first thing you have to rest on if you want to rest in God and anything else. Amen. So he says, having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. You are merely forgiven of sin. You became freed from it. Hallelujah. So he says, you became slaves of righteousness. And then he says, I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. He makes it obvious here. You have weakness in your flesh. But at the same time, you're what? A slave of righteousness. You have weakness in your flesh. Yes, you sin. Yes, you struggle. Yes, you might be addicted to so many things. But still what? Says, you're slaves of righteousness. Are you with me? So... Well, while, when the enemy lies to you next time, tell him, I don't need to reply to you. So, but funny thing to me is that the enemy condemns us often. But who made him the moral compass? Who is the devil to tell me what's right and what's not? And who I am? <laughs> right? He's the, the last person who should be telling you anything about sin and righteousness. The devil is the last person. 
I'll take advice from my Christian brothers and sisters, not from the devil, you know, and, 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 and first and foremost, and really I need just the Holy Spirit is enough for me. He says, yes, is you have weakness in your flesh, but you got to see what I see. Glory to God. So then, then Paul writes for, for just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanliness and lawlessness leading to more lawlessness. And the content, what he's saying, talking about here is when before you were born again, before you became slaves of righteousness, just as you offered everything in your body over to sin, because not just your body, but even you were against God. You were, while you were porn spirit, what did you do? You offered up every part of it, your physical body over to sin. Now, because you have been changed, present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. This has nothing to do with your salvation. He's saying, act holy. Don't sin. Not, not, he's not saying, don't, don't sin sometimes. Mostly be pure and holy. That's what he's saying. Be perfect is what he's saying. Amen. He's not saying sin less and overcome things and you'll never be perfect. But you just got to keep getting better and better and better till you die. One day when you get to heaven, you'll be perfect. That's not what he's saying at all. He's saying... Do it. Be perfect. Don't sin anymore is what he's saying. And the grace of God teaches us that that is possible. And so he's, so he's saying, what, whatever you did with your body, when, when you were, when you, when you say, I use the spirit, right? When you were poor in the spirit, no longer do it because now you're no longer poor in the spirit. You're a son of God. You're the righteousness of God. You're slave to righteousness. Therefore, live as a slave of righteousness. Amen. And then he says, for when you are slaves to sin, you are free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have then in the things which uh, in the things of which you are now ashamed for the end of those things is death. And that's what sin brings. Sin comes with consequences. Sin, sin comes with, 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 weight, with weights. All the things that come with sin. We're destroying us. When we were poor in the spirit, we were heavy laden. That's why Jesus says, come to me, all who, you who are heavy laden. You're carrying all the heaviness of sin. You have no rest in you. Come and I'll give you rest. The rest is not because you're forgiven alone. It's because you're free from it, from sin. Amen? Amen? When Jesus says, I'll give you rest, he's not saying, you know what? You can be at rest because God will forgive you, but you, you, you sinner. No, he's saying <laughs> the rest, you have rest now because you are forgiven, but you're also freed from sin. Praise God. Verse 22, he says, but now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruits to what? To holiness. When you're a slave, a slave of God, when you're a child of God, and when righteousness is now a part of who you are and your identity, just as you cannot run away from your identity, you can, you can change your hair color, you can lose weight, you can get buff, you can change whatever you want to do. You're not going to change who you are because you're you and you know that. And that righteousness now, you can't run away from it. It's embedded in who you are. That's why God abides in you. Whoever, First John 4.15, we saw that scripture last week. He who believes that Jesus is the son of God, what, what God abides in him and he in God. That's it. It's a done deal forever. I abide in God. God abides in me. I am in him forever. We're one forever. First Corinthians says that he who is united with God is one with him in spirit. That's me. That's you. Amen. So this is where you are. And, and, and when, because of who you are, now there's something that comes with it. It says you have your fruits. There's fruit that comes with it. You, your fruit is now to holiness. That's who you are. That's what you produce. 
And it says, in the end, everlasting life. So this is what I meant when I said that Jesus wasn't just trying to give us rest. He's making us slaves to rest. Amen. It's not just rest that you receive. You receive the yoke of rest, something that you can't run away from. The enemy is terrified of us discovering who we are because we, when we discover who we are, we find everything that's associated with that. Right? You find the rest in there. You find the peace, the life, the, the, the prosperity, the healing. Everything is in who you are, in who we are. Since we are now slaves of righteousness, instead of being bound to the weight of sin, we're supposed to be bound to the weight of righteousness. In Galatians, it says that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Right? Everything that came with, 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 uh, with, with the law when you didn't obey it. See, the law blessed you if you, if you, if you walked according to it, caused you to be well, caused, you, uh, caused sickness to be far from you, caused all these things to happen. That's what God promised the, the Israelites. You follow them the law, then what? You, you're going to have all these things. And they did, and they prospered, and all those things happened. When they didn't keep the law, what happened? They suffered. And the problem was they didn't keep the law a lot, right? Like, and, and so, but now Jesus comes and he fulfills the law. That's what the Bible says. He fulfills the law and he perfects us, he changes our nature. And in this, now we can experience everything that comes with righteousness, right? Instead of bearing. And reaping the fruit of sin, now we bear and reap the fruit of righteousness, which are rest, peace, victory, prosperity, health, all these things. And we shouldn't run away from them. In fact, right now when I say that word prosperity, it might terrify some people. Like, why would you say prosperity? It's like, you know, prosperity is not a cuss word. It's in the Bible. It talks about prosperity. You know, there may have been some, not, I'm not going to say a lot, some who, 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 who have mistaught that, who, who, who have taken advantage of people because they're not walking with God. That doesn't nullify what the Bible says about prosperity. Okay. Praise the Lord. And you know that because I've never, do I ask you for money? Do I tell you to give this much to the Lord? But I've never, <laughs> we barely collect offering. But you should give because that's what we do. I mean, when you know you're blessed and you know that God is your provision, what do you do? You give. Come on. That, that, that's why we give. It's not a gimmick. Praise the Lord. Amen. It's in your identity. And by the way, speaking about that, unless you believe in who, in, in, in who you are and you walk out and exercise who you are, you will, you will never experience it physically. It will be a reality for you in the spirit. But you're, you're, only, gonna, uh, you're only going to uh, experience what you walk out by faith. Amen? Amen. Right? If you, let's say you, if you want to go to Canada, but you start driving toward Mexico, you're never going to reach Canada. You have to go that direction. So whatever it is in regards to it, whether it be health, whether it be finances, whether it be anything that we do in our lives, unless you take what, what the God says about you and you believe it and you apply it in your life, you'll never see it come to pass. Okay, so when we give, our giving is our faith. And, 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 and it's not even because I gave God a thing you gave, no, I'm going to give it to you. It's, it's, I, you have to know that when you give, you are walking in, in your full authority of who you are as a child of God, as a son of God. You actually believe it. And so you begin to dominate what's around you like you're meant to. That's what God told Adam and Eve. After he created them, he told them to rule, right? Have dominion over everything. 
So if you want to have dominion over your finances, you got to start walking like a son towards your finances. If you want to dominate in health, you got to walk like a son, a daughter of God towards our health. That's just what this is talking about. God has given the authority back to us, the authority of the kingdom. He says the kingdom is yours now, right? So we that means I look like God. And God is establishing his kingdom back on this earth. This earth is not fully in his will right now. We're here for work. Right. But things are being restored. So that means I can I can I can walk in my according to my identity on this earth, on this earth. And so whatever I do by faith, like giving every all these things that I do by faith, when I do them, I'm actually walking supernaturally. That's just what is. That's why it works. Amen. Amen. Bless you, Steve. Amen. So instead of like I'm going to say this again, instead of bearing the uh, and reaping the fruit of sin, now we bear the be, bear and reap the fruit of righteousness. That's where it starts. Amen? Amen. And all we've had to do to to get this is what enter in, enter in, enter. We all, we just had to enter into the kingdom. That's what we, all we had to do. Right? Salvation is not by works. You're not accepted into the kingdom of God because of anything you did right. It was a free gift, right? Ephesians tells us that it's a free gift from God. In John chapter 10, let's go there real quick. John chapter 10. John 10, verse 9. Jesus says, I am the door. You guys there? John chapter 10, verse 9. I am the door. Jesus is the door. Into what? The kingdom of God, by the way. He says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. That's good news. But I feel like that's where many Christians stop. That's where I used to stop back in the day. I'm saved. God has forgiven me of my sins. Thank you, Lord. And I feel you just, it's a sigh of relief. You've been beat and battered by the world. You've been beat and battered by sin and its weight. I'm saved. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He says, if anyone enters by me, right? He is, he will be saved. And what will happen? And we'll go in and out and find pasture. Being saved is one thing. Being saved is one thing. But finding pasture is one of those <laughs> fruits of righteousness. Are you with me? You will go in and there's many things for you to find in the kingdom of God. Jesus, says, If you enter by me, Jesus is the door. So when you said yes to God, and accepted the free gift of salvation, you entered in and you got saved. But don't stop there. Get in. And he says, you'll find what? Pasture. Everything that comes with righteousness is that pasture. You know, we've been looking at Psalm 23 over the past few weeks, right? Psalm 23, verses 1, 2, 3. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Right? Makes me lie down in green pastures, leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul are all talking about the spiritual condition of a saved person, of a born-again person. The still waters, the green pasture, pastures, right? There you go, the pasture that Jesus is talking about right now, here. If you enter by me, what do you find? You get saved, great. You get forgiven, but what? You also get set free from sin. Now you, the kingdom is yours, you're in it, and you find all the blessings of being a child of God, the pasture. The Lord is your shepherd. I should, by the way, here is this entire chapter. Read it. You're talking about Jesus, the true shepherd. There you go. The connection. Psalm 23, the she God, the shepherd, right? Like he leads you by the pastor because you're in the kingdom of God. Have you been eating the pastor? 
Amen. Amen. Ha, this is a good question. Have you stopped? Question for myself too. Have you stopped at being saved and been satisfied there? Or have you been partaking of the pastor? Go and find the pastor. What comes with my salvation? That's the yoke of rest. Hallelujah. The enemy wants us to live broken and battered and afraid that God might kick us out of the kingdom. Not sure about the fact that God still accepts us, causing us to live under condemnation. You've heard me say this before. You know why condemnation is the number one way the enemy attacks us? Because when the enemy condemns us, he compromises who we are. He's compromising your identity. It's like if I came right now and I said, you're us, you're not you're us. What would you, would, you feel, would you feel nervous? If you feel nervous about that, then we have to have a conversation, prayer, and all these things that we're going to do, right? Like that's what would happen. You don't doubt that you're you. The enemy comes and when he condemns us, he, he's literally spitting on what Jesus has caused to happen to you and who you are now. And we feel condemned and we think condemnation is a part of, normal part of Christian life. No. If you, the day you overcome con condemnation, you 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 walk in like running holy into that place and you can partake of the pastor see the enemy knows that if he if he can cause us to live in a constant state of fear and condemnation fear of condemnation feeling like god doesn't accept me i will never rest in god if you can't rest in god then the storms of life will toss you toss us around right so god wants us to know how accepted we are rest is your pastor amen and here's the main point I want to leave you with today, to rest in God. To rest in God, the first thing you must do is stop trying to be accepted by God. That's it. Stop trying to be accepted by God. That's the, the first step of rest. If I fear that God may not accept me, if I feel like he might not really be happy with me right now, I will never rest in him in the midst of storms. See, the, huh. Psalm 23, verse 3. That sheep, David, right? Again, it's a prophetic psalm talking about who we are right now. It's, that sheep is so confident. He really, that sheep has realized is walking. So I'm a sheep right now, guys. Uh, I was walking. And, 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 and sees the shepherd, is following the shepherd. And that shepherd is like, wow, that's nice grass. That's nice pasture. And, and eating the grass, mm, that's good. Enjoying the stream. You know, yesterday, me and Melu went, went to uh, Rock Creek Park and we, we were by, you know, by a stream eating watermelons and, and the stream was, sound was so beautiful. I didn't tell it, it was just like, it reminded me of that song. Like, and the watermelons were good too, all right? So, but you're just there. You, and, and that sheep is so confident. That's why. When the sheep realized that he was in the middle of the valley of the shadow of death, you see the world around you, the physical, says, I will not fear. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Why? That sheep is not nervous about him or her being accepted by the shepherd. That sheep doesn't see the staff I, you know, as something the shepherd is going to beat him or her with. Are you afraid of God beating you with the staff? Or <laughs> protecting you with the staff? Come on, right? Bad shepherds, get out of here. Just hitting, hitting them, hitting you. When you step out of line, that's not the kind of shepherd that God is anyway. Amen? So when you walk in the valley of the shadow of death, you're just, you're, not when you walk. He says, though I walk, by the way. I noticed that. Not when I walk. So it's not something that I told you. The, the whole world is 
what? Wilderness. The whole world. It's not when I walk. It's though I walk. You're in the middle of it. It's not like though I walk for a little uh, when I walk and then I, God takes me out of, away from there. No, no. This, your spiritual condition is pasture. Always. Still waters. All those things are a constant. Uh, the constant weight of righteousness is that. The yoke. Take my yoke upon you. Rest. Pasture. Peace. Rest. Healing. Right? Wellness. Prosperity. That's what it is in the spirit. But though I walk, you're still in the valley of the shadow of death around you. But in those moments, because you know who your shepherd is and you know who you belong to, that you're a son of God, daughter of God, that you have power, authority, all these things that the shepherd has also given you. You don't fear. You rest still in, in the shepherd. Amen? So to rest in God, the first thing you must do is stop trying to be accepted by him. When the enemy tries to make you feel like you're not accepted by God, you send him on his way. You say, get out of here, right? To the devil. Don't say get out of here. You say get out of here. You got to say it like that. Right? That's, the, that's what the enemy understands. Get. You say, you know, that's what you got to say. Praise the Lord. Amen. You must believe that you have been eternally accepted by him. That salvation was purely a gift. And that you are in a state of rest. And that you have every reason to be at rest. That's what we must realize. Say this. Say, I have every reason. I have every reason. To be at rest. To be at rest. Praise God. Say it again. I have every reason. I have every reason. To be at rest. To be at rest. Hallelujah. Amen. And that's it. And we have every reason to be at rest. If you ever fear that God may not accept you and you're, you're, you feel like God might be angry at you, you'll never be at rest. And we don't have time for that because the world is wilderness. You are in the, the middle of it, the, the, the valley of the shadow of death. So we don't have time to not believe that. <laughs> you know, Paul, uh, not Paul, the writer of Hebrews talks about, I believe, in Hebrews chapter 5, about like the milk. You know, like the, the uh, uh, still being on milk and not understanding the basic principles of the gospel. If we still struggle to be accepted by God, or we think that God is going to leave us, and, and we're not sure about how, the fact that He's accepted us eternally, and we drop that, we we still haven't understood the basic principles of the gospel. That's what it means. If you don't know the grace of God and what it means to, to what the grace of God stands for, and, and and you're not sure, that's still milk. And so we have to take and under, take the milk. I love the milk. I take it, and, and I understand what uh, I have to understand what it means for me to be a child of God. What it means to be saved, and know that I'm going to be resting in God. I can never lose lose Him. I am I am righteous. Yes, there's I strive struggle. With sin, but I have to have to understand the weakness of the flesh. But you got to know who you really are. You, you are what perfect. God has made you perfect. You got to believe that. Amen. And if you, uh, because if you have a low, low, low view of yourself in, uh, in regards uh, uh, to righteousness, you you'll just take uh, the gospel to be a means of escape from hell. I'm good, but if you know that you are righteous. That God accepts you as, as so, you're going to be thriving in the kingdom because you will go out and find your pastor, find everything that comes with that, right? Live live a life that actually looks like 
the life that Jesus lived and a life that will be impactful for, to people. And when we preach the